Thanks. Well, hey guys, how y'all doing? Fantastic. My name is Chris, and welcome to One Church. Oh, thank you, love. And um, by the way, I called her love because that's my wife. Don't want to cause any rumors or gossip anywhere. All right, um, uh, guys, just want to say a huge happy birthday to uh, you guys at One Church. Seven years ago, uh, we started. God planted this idea in a group of thirty-five people to start a church for people who don't go to church. And uh, you've heard me say this statistic many, many times, that 88% of people in Clarksville don't go to church anywhere. And uh, we started one church seven years ago because we wanted uh, to make a dent in that statistic. We want to see people who are far from God come to know God. Our mission is to lead people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And everything that we do really does point towards that mission. We're finishing our series of ownership today. And before I dive in, I got a, just, a, uh, just one announcement. Tonight, we are blowing it out. We are pulling out all the stops. We are having a massive birthday party for our church. And let me tell you, you need to know a, few, a couple of things. It's at 331 Sequoia Lane. All right, Sequoia Lane. What you want to do, if you, if you pull outside the parking lot here at Northeast, you're going to take a left on Trenton Road. You're going to go all the way down there. You're going to cross over 101st, and it's, I think it's like the first right after that. All right, Johnny Waters, what's up, baby? This dude just came back from Afghanistan. Can we give it up for Johnny? Love you, dude. I had not seen you. That's awesome. So anyway. We're going to be out there at 4.30. We're going to be playing some flag football. We're going to be playing some ultimate frisbee. We're going to be playing some cornhole. So here's what I'm asking you guys to do. Bring your lawn games, right? Unless you have lawn darts. Anybody grow up with lawn darts? Me too, right? You would throw them straight up. And then move real quick, right? Only in the south. Not a lot of people made it. Um, They died. Um, But anyway... But really, we do want, we're going to have a great time tonight. One church is furnishing the meat, and we're going to be grilling out there. But here's what we are asking you to do. Bring some sides. It's a potluck. So if you don't bring food, we're all going to be hungry. Right? I'm just telling you. Uh, last time we did this, I think we had almost 400 people out there. It's a massive thing. We're going to have hay rides. We're going to have a bonfire tonight. We have fly, uh, five inflatables uh, for the kids and the adults. Right? So uh, we're going to have a great time with that, right? And uh, we're going to end the night around the bonfire singing some worship songs. So anyway, um, by the way, let me tell you, this is our people at One Church. After the first service, dude comes up to me and he says, Do you, can I give you like a suggestion for the band? And I'm like, sure, go ahead. You know, I'm thinking, you know, some type of hymn, you know, because he was an older gentleman. So I'm okay, go ahead and shoot. You know, I'm thinking, you know, a hymn. He's going, can y'all do like the spirit in the sky? Um, you know, that, that old 60s song, I'm like, sure, we can make it happen. So next week, come early, we're going to do that. No, I'm just joking. But really, um, I'm asking you guys to bring some food, bring a lawn chair or quilt, all right? Because again, we want you guys to have a place to sit. We're going to have a great time. We are baptizing 21 people tonight. OMG. That is awesome, all right? And the pool is still open and it's going to be cold. Praise Jesus. Right? So anyway, so anyway, that being said, so <laughs> I got to get back on point. Here's the thing. It, it, this whole thing about thinking about uh, the birthday of one church being seven years old, it really did get me thinking. And it got me thinking this, that there are really two great days in a person's life. Think about that. There are two great days in a person's life. The first one is the day that you're born. Right? I mean, this day is so important that you celebrate it every year. 
right? And ladies, when you get a certain age, you don't, sell, you don't put the candles on the cake anymore, right? Because that's just bitter and mean, right? But you, you at least celebrate it, or you hope somebody will celebrate it. In fact, uh, our, uh, one of our worship pastors, Michael Lardizabal, his birthday was yesterday. Y'all give it up for Michael. Michael, you're awesome, all right? But here's the thing. We celebrate that day every day, whether you're 7 or 77. It's an important day. It's the day you're born. Let me tell you the second most important day, and that is the day that you discover why you were born. The day that you discover why you were born. And here's the thing. If you discover the why you were born, you will discover your way. It's just that simple. I mean, if you discover your why, most people drift through life, and they don't understand the why. Let me tell you the why of one church is we really do get our Joneses off, seeing that light bulb go over somebody's head, and people to say, you know what, I get it now. You know, I come to church, and I didn't know nothing about the Bible, didn't know nothing about God, didn't nothing, know anything about that, but it's like I understood what the person up on stage was talking about. I, I kind of enjoyed the music. I didn't know a lot of it, but, I, you know, at least it wasn't, you know, organ music. You know, and I, you know, even though I don't quite buy the whole Jesus and Bible thing, I'm going to be back. And they keep on showing up and showing up, and eventually they realize that God loves them, that God isn't mad at them, but that God is madly in love with them. I gotta, that is why we exist as a church. And what's so cool, let me tell you just some really, really cool statistics that's happened uh, over the years. This, and this entire service today is just kind of praising, talking about Jesus, and I love that. But it's what we, our church celebrates. In fact, I, for the rest of our time here, I want to give you a word I want you to kind of land on hard, and it's this word, and it's legacy. 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 And when you think of the word legacy, we have all kinds of things that come to our minds, Right? In fact, at Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the very first definition of legacy is really kind of a strange one. I've got to be honest with you. It says this. It says this. Money or property that you arrange for someone to have. Seriously, look it up. That's the first definition. I'm like, what? Because when I think of legacy, I don't think about money or property. I think of something else. We're going to talk about that one a little bit. But let me show you the second one. This is what I think of when I think of legacy. Something that outlives you. Something that outlives you, that is passed on from one person to another or one generation to another. Something that outlives you, right? I, and I get that today, and that's where I want to land today because I want to talk about legacy and something that outlives you because here's the principle. Everyone's going to leave a legacy, so leave one on purpose. The majority of the things that we spend most of our money on and time on, if you think about it, it doesn't outlive us, does it? I mean, the things that you wanted 10 years ago and that you saved up your money, you, it, where are that, where's the majority of that stuff now? In the trash, in the landfill, right? Give you an example of mine. I remember spending $120 on a Sony Walkman, right? Anybody remember those? I'm not even talking about the CD players. I'm talking about the tape deck, right? That gum. I, I knew this guy. Um, and he bought a VCR the week they came out. Dude spent $2,000 on a VCR. You know where that thing's at? Landfill. You can't even buy VHS tapes. 
to be able to put in the $2,000 thing, right? I mean, most of us, the money that we spend and the time that we invest, we don't spend it on things that outlive us. We spend it on stuff that in just five to ten years is going to be in a landfill. Guys, we're a prime example of just not leaving a legacy on purpose. In fact, most men that I've talked to when they're on their deathbed, and I've talked to a lot of guys who are getting ready to pass away, you know one of the things they never say? I wish I'd have spent more time at work. They never say that. They never say that. But guys, what, what, what is our tendency? We have this tendency that we're going to spend 50 years, spending 50 hours a week at a job, and we think we're indispensable only to find out that at the end of our career, they give you a gold, cheap gold watch and a pink slip. And we're think, you think, why did I spend all of that? We spend our time on the work. We spend our time on the job. We spend too many dreams on that career. And we, we, we climbed up success ladder only to find out that the ladder was leaned up against the wrong building. We, are, we have our prime tendency. That's not legacy, that's regret. And ladies, we could, you guys, you ladies can be the same things as well. You'll spend all of your time on either a hobby or trying to uh, keep beautiful or not age. And here's the thing. You can buy all the creams in the world, right? All the anti-aging creams in the world. You know what's still going to happen? You're going to get older. It's just a fact. It is a fact. And you, some ladies, you'll spend all your time trying to keep that house clean, almost to the neglect of the people that live in that house. That's not a legacy. Or you spend all of your time on laundry, dear Jesus. Right? It's like it never ends. It never ends. Come on now. Some preach it, brother. Right? Let me tell you. All of that stuff, uh, all those things are urgent things, but they're not important things. It's not a legacy. And today, where I want to talk about, where I want to land, is I want to land on, yeah, all that stuff, is, it, it may be urgent, but what are you going to do that's going to outlive you? What are you going to do that's going to leave a legacy? What are you going to do that's really going to make a difference? And I'm going to challenge you today at the end that you can make a difference. Because here's what I know about you. If you're a Christian or a non-Christian, here's what I know about you. You long to make a difference. You you, you are looking in the mirror and you're getting older. And even if you're 20-something, you're thinking, I'm older today than I was yesterday. And, and you can hear it start ticking. And you just, you want to lead this world that you've changed it. Not just changed the big world, yes that, but changed your world. And to make a difference. None of us want to be that person that plunges your hand in water, and when you pull it out, what's left is the difference you made. I don't want to be that way. I am 43 stinking years old. And I don't feel 43 most days. But here's what I know. If my average life expectancy for a guy is 60, 70, I'm over halfway there. And I want to leave this world. I am going to leave it. By the way, so are you. But I want to leave this world, and I want people to say, you made a difference. Something has changed in many people's lives. And if that's my desire, 
I know that's your desire. I know it is. So my challenge as we move forward is that you can do that today. But you're going to have to be intentional. It's not going to just happen. Everyone leaves a legacy. But few people leave a legacy on purpose. Very few of us get the opportunity to do something bigger than ourselves, to make a lasting difference in a life, much less an eternity. But here's the cool thing. What we're going to learn today, we're going to be in the book of Luke. We're going to learn that 2,000 years ago, that's a big number, 12 people drew a line in the sand, and they chose to make a difference that's still being made today. And if you're a Christ follower, you can trace back who you are and come into faith through those 12 people. And I love that, that God used 12 people 2,000 years ago to make a difference. Let me tell you what else I love. Well, I'm also going to show you, we're going to uncover today, that one church started seven years ago that God used 35 people to make the difference in somebody's life. Let me, let me tell you this. I can't even make this stuff up. All right, I got this today, one hour ago. I'm not going to tell you who it is, somebody who doesn't live here in Clarksville anymore. And this is what this person says. Really missing one church this morning. Another person who's left, me too. Another one who's still here. His name's Bob Key. You can make fun of him. We miss you too. We're celebrating seven years of worshiping together this morning. We miss y'all like crazy. Another person says, I still haven't found another church yet I like. Another one isn't here. Miss you too. Another one uh, who's not here. This, these people live in Georgia. Um, this is the, such a struggle for me. We have attended two churches since we moved here, and I'm having a hard time. I compare everything to one church and the wonderful people there. I'm having such a hard time with change. We went to one church from the time my daughter was six months old until she was six, and then we had to leave. Another one. This person used to work in children's ministry. Still talks about, I still talk about one church. We haven't found a place like that either. Guys, this isn't about one church. What we're going to learn today is God uses normal people to do extraordinary things. And my challenge is he can use you. And I'm going to challenge you to do just that. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And as you're turning there, let me give you some context. The book of Luke was written by a guy by the name of Cool Hand Luke, right? And this guy was a Gentile doctor. Uh, he wrote a gospel. Let me tell you what that churchy word means. It just means good news, right? So he, were, he wrote a book about Jesus, and it's good news. In fact, we have three other gospels, good news accounts of Jesus' life as well. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So when we turn to Luke chapter 6... Jesus is just starting his ministry. He, he, he's, just, he, he's 30 years old, and he realized the clock's ticking. He's only got three years, and then he knows he's going to be crucified. So the clock's ticking, and what does he do? He does something here. He chooses 12 people that will outlive him to start a movement. Look what happens. This is what it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. One day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on the mountaintop to do what? Pray, and he did what all night? Prayed all night. Now, what did he do before he made this important decision? He prayed. Now, some of you are like, okay, preacher, move forward. I pray. In fact, how many of y'all this week, you prayed sometime this week? Let me see your hands. All right? Some of you are like, 
Okay, I'll pray now so I can raise a hand, right? But here's what I know about you. I mean, okay, I get the prayer thing. Uh, all of us have prayed this week. Maybe not all night. That's a little, you know, woo, all night, really? Right? But we at least prayed. We pray before we eat. Pray before we go to bed. We pray for our kids right before they went to bed, right? So we pray. But I love how Jesus prayed so we got on God's page, but he did something beyond praying. See, some of you, the reason why things haven't happened is you've just been on your knees praying, and that's a great place to start, but that's not where you end. you got to do something after that. And look what Jesus does. He says this. At daybreak, after he prayed, he called together all of his disciples and chose how many of them? 12 of them to be the apostles. Now, let's hit the pause button here. A lot of people hanging out with Jesus. Hundreds of people, maybe even thousands of people kind of following Jesus. In fact, elsewhere in the book of Luke, Luke says that Jesus has 70 disciples. Out of the 70 disciples that are around him, Jesus chooses 12 to be his inner He's saying, what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose you, and for the next three and a half years, you're going to live with me. You're going to be there every day, every night. They left their families, left their jobs, and they followed Jesus. So he's weeding them down, and then he gives us the names, all right? And gosh, I tell you, this is what uh, I I like, because some of you don't like lists in the Bible, and I totally get it, all right? This is one of those lists, and this is all we're going at today. We're not going past the list. Some of you are going... Well, that's kind of boring, preacher. You should have went back and done something a little bit better. Sorry, it's all I got. All right, this is what it says. Here's the list. Here are their names. Simon, who is called Peter. Andrew, Peter's brother. James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas. James, the son of Alphaeus. Simon, who is called the Zealot. Judas, son of James. And Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed Jesus. I mean, these guys, these 12 men literally planted hundreds of churches. They carried the news about Jesus to the ends of the earth where the news is still spreading. I mean, if you're here today and if you're a Christ follower, you can trace you believing back through these guys. If you grew up in churches, let me tell you, we revere these people. And it depends on what denomination or kind of church brand you came from. Some of you, you actually pray to some of these puppies, right? I mean, we put them so high on a pedestal. It's like they are, we think of them and we just think they're superhuman. They're amazing people. They did miracles. In fact, let me give you a statistic. This just something that you can throw up that picture if you want to. Today in Rome, there is a basilica called the Basilica of St. Peter. It's almost 700 feet long. That's over two football fields long. This basilica has a dome that's 433 feet tall. It's one of the tallest in the world. Right in the middle, underneath this bronze, uh, excuse me, right underneath this uh, dome is this bronze statue of Peter. Here's his foot. And let me tell you, people for hundreds of years have walked and stood in line for hours, sometimes even days, just so they could walk by it and rub the toe or kiss the toe of St. Peter, the big toe of St. Peter. i got to be honest with you, I ain't kissing nobody's big toe. All right? But let me show you. You see that toe? You see his foot? It's deformed, right? If your foot looks like that, you need to go to a doctor, Right? But let me tell you, the reason why it looks like that is because people have rubbed it and kissed it. Go back to that other one if you would. 
you see right here, it, they're, just, they're just worn down. Also, they could go and kiss and revere Peter's feet. You see, we've made all of these 12 guys superhuman. But let me tell you, they weren't superhuman. They weren't extraordinary. They were very ordinary. Some of them were below ordinary. But let me tell you what happened. They served an extraordinary God. And God used them. Because these men chose to go all in and chose to own Jesus' mission. Let me just show you. If you go back and, and put up that list again, if you would. Let's just start. We'll go down the list. Here are the names. Simon, who's also called Peter. Let's talk about Pete. Pete was the angry, hothead leader of the group. If he ticked you off, he would grab a sword, and he would slice your ear off. Happened in the Bible, right? Uh, he, he had this disease called foot and mouth disease. Every time he opened up his mouth, he put his foot in it. Anybody like that? Anybody married anybody like that? Put, put your hand down, <laughs> all right? I, I've, I'm like that. A lot of times, you know, I open up my mouth, and I'm like, oh, really? I said that something, said something stupid again? I, I can tell you, over the past seven years, I've said some dumb stuff from the stage. Let me tell you about a few. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> you, you think I'm crazy if that's going to happen, right? All right? But let me tell you, Simon, he was angry, and he, he, would, he, he never would think before he speak. Let's look at the next one. He was also a fisherman, by the way. Andrew, Peter's brother, he's also a fisherman. We know not too much about Andrew, all right? James and John, the next one, they were brothers, um, their nicknames were the Sons of Thunder. You don't get the nickname Sons of Thunder by being these quiet little introverted Sunday school boys, right? These jokers, well, hellraisers. They were. They love. I mean, I mean, imagine that every time they were around, you hear the. They sounded like thunder, right? They were all over the place. They were also fishermen. The next one, Philip, he was probably a fisherman as well, came from Peter's hometown of Capernaum. Look at this. The first five of these 12 names are fishermen. You know what fishermen smell like? And chum, right? And by the way, these, they had very little education. They were blue-collar workers, and they probably cussed like sailors because they were sailors, right? They just were, all right? Those are the first five. All right, let's keep on going. They weren't, they, by the way, they probably weren't ordinary. They weren't C students. They were probably D. D minus, maybe. All right, keep on going. All right, let's look at that. Bartholomew. We know very little about Bartholomew before he ever met Jesus. It means nothing stood out about Bart. Matthew, let me tell you about this dude. Matthew was a Jewish person who was a traitor to his own people. He, was an in, he, he actually collected taxes for the enemy, Rome, and uh, people hated people who collect taxes. How many of y'all like April 15th? Anyway, all right, let's keep on going. Let me, let's keep on going, all right? All right, then you have Thomas. By the way, anybody know his nickname? Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. By the way, I mean, uh, J Jesus chose a guy who had trouble believing in him, right? Uh, what, was, what was Jesus thinking? I mean, when your nickname is Doubting Thomas... Just saying. Let's keep on going. James, the son of Alphaeus. Again, we know very little about him except who his, who his uh, dad was. Simon the Zealot. 
Let me tell you what the word zealot means. It means terrorist. Some of you have fought zealots. Let me tell you about these zealots who lived in this town. They would have these little daggers that they hid. And if they got close to a Roman soldier, they would shank him. Right? Anybody know shanking? All right. Shawshank Redemption. Just telling you, right? All right? And then it would back away and wait for the dude to die. That's the dude that Jesus said, hey, I want you on my team. Keep on going. And then you get Judas, son of James. All right. All we know about him is we think he was a farmer. And then Judas Iscariot, and he, he had a great track record. He betrayed Jesus and got him killed. All right, stop. Here's the thing about this. I got to be honest with you. This isn't a dream team, right? This isn't a team that I would ever pick for somebody to leave a legacy. This is not an all-star cast. These are guys that you would probably pick out of a criminal lineup, not somebody that you would pick to change the world, Right? Ordinary or subordinary people who all had history, all had past, all had junk, and yet Jesus picked them to do something amazing. Jesus delights in the ordinary. And if you're substandard or ordinary, if you're not the top of your field, you need to know this. Watch out, because Jesus can make something amazing with you. And he wants to today. All of these people in this list all had humble beginnings. They all had a humble birth. But when they discovered why they were born, it was like they discovered their way. And Jesus was their way. Let me tell you, our big idea today is this. God takes full responsibility for the life wholly devoted to him. You see, when you make God your priority, God will make you his priority. If you make God big in your life, then God's going to say, I got you. Not saying bad things won't happen, but you need to know, he is going to take full responsibility of everything that happens in your life, with you, around you, for you, even against you. God's got you. When you prioritize God, when you Make him whole, holy devotion to him. He's going to take full responsibility of you. Let me show you how these guys, what all of this list of people did. I want to show you where these people ministered to, where they planted churches to, and eventually how and where they died. Now, before I move on, of these 12, besides Judas, we really don't know how anybody died. The Bible doesn't tell us. So we have to look back at church history, and that's what we're going to be doing at this morning, all right? Let's look at Bartholomew, all right? Bartholomew, my boy Bart, he was skinned alive and beheaded. That's how he ended. He preached the gospel in Iraq. Let's see, I did this awful first service, by the way. Iraq, Iran, all right? We did uh, Turkey right here and India all the way over there. Bartholomew, he planted churches in all four of those countries. He was skinned alive and beheaded near Russia on the Caspian Sea in order because a local king got jealous of him because everybody was following him and not the king. Let me tell you another one. James, the son of Alphaeus, he was stoned to death. He preached in Syria, and he was killed because he was telling other people about Jesus. Let me tell you what a stoning was. A stoning is... They would take you, and they would take you outside of the city. They would throw you in a pit, and they would pick up the biggest stone that they could muster. 
and they would throw it on your chest. If that didn't kill you, then everybody grabbed huge stones, like softball side stones, and they would just hurl it at your head until you died. That's how James died. And he died because he was planting churches in Syria. Let's keep on going. Andrew. Andrew was crucified. Andrew preached in Russia, in Scotland, in Turkey, and in Greece. After angering a Roman governor by leading his wife and his entire family to Jesus, he was crucified, and it didn't nail his, his feet in his hands like Jesus. They tied him up on this cross with these heavy ropes so that he would just stay there and starve. And he would, he would die much, much more slowly. You know what he was doing while he was up on the cross? Telling people about Jesus. Hundreds of people came to know him while he's dying. That's Andrew. All right, let's keep on going. All right, Peter, Andrew's brother, he was crucified upside down in Rome. The reason why it was upside down is because as they were crucifying him, he told the people that were killing him, I am not worthy to die like Jesus died. And in Rome, after planting churches in Syria and Palestine and Jordan, he was crucified upside down in Rome. Let's keep on going. Thomas, remember his nickname? I doubt it, right? Thomas was impaled by a spear, right? Tell you about this. His, Thomas's doubts were erased by, when he touched Jesus' wounds, and he was fearless telling other people about Jesus and starting churches. He preached in Iraq. He, he actually planted the very first Christian church in Iraq. He also preached in Iran and traveled as far as China and India. And he was killed in India when he chose to tell people about Jesus in the caste system, the undesirables, who nobody's supposed to look at or talk to. He says, uh-uh, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And they killed him for it. Because Thomas believed that everybody should have the chance of coming to know Jesus. James, one of the sons of thunder, he was beheaded in Jerusalem. Philip was crucified. He planted churches in Greece, Syria, and Turkey. Matthew, he was burned to death. He started churches in Ethiopia and Africa. All right? Judas Thaddeus was killed by an axe. He started churches and told people about Jesus in Jordan, Libya, and Lebanon. Simon the Zealot was sawed in half. The guy who was the terrorist, he was sawed in half. Simon started churches in North Africa and eventually all the way up into Great Britain. Mark wasn't one of the disciples, but he wrote the book of Mark. All right, He died in Alexandria, Egypt after being drugged by horses throughout the streets until he was dead. Luke, the guy who wrote the book we're reading now, he was uh, hung in Greece. Barnabas started churches throughout Italy and Cyprus until he was stoned to death. Paul, who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament, he was tortured and beheaded by Nero, the emperor Nero in Rome in AD 67. The only person who wasn't killed for his faith was John. And he wasn't killed not because they didn't try. They threw John into a vat of boiling oil, and the dude lived. Right? That's some nasty stuff. Can you imagine the disfigurement that he had? Imagine the pain and the scars that that might have left. And because they threw him in and he didn't die, the emperor Domitian said, well, if we can't kill him, let's exile him. And they put him on the island of Patmos. And there he lived out the rest of his days writing the books of First, Second, and Third John, the book of Revelation, and the Gospel of John. Here is the map of where all of these 12 men, 
the difference that they made, the legacy that they made. It's like they dropped, they threw a big rock in the middle of a pond and the ripples just keep on going. And they keep on going today. This is what a life wholly devoted to Jesus looks like and the result and the legacy that will ensue because everybody will leave a legacy, so leave one on purpose. 2,000 years ago, the church was started by regular people who intentionally chose to leave a legacy. And that decision has made a lasting difference. Let me tell you about one church. One church was started seven years ago by 35 normal people. And I use the word normal liberally. 35 people chose, so you know what? We are going to start a people for church, for people who don't go to church. And they said, we started meeting in a movie theater. We met there for a year, outgrew it. Then we started meeting here. And I got to be honest with you. If somebody, we had like three or four new people on, on the setup team today because of you guys stepped up and joined the team last week. So awesome. But what we do ain't, ain't, ain't easy. We got to move all this stuff and set it up, tear it down. Some of you know this. You help us tear down stuff. You help set stuff up. All right? But I tell you, 35 people chose to come and do this. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask if you were part of the launch team, would you stand up? So that we acknowledge you. In fact, not only just stand up, if you will come down up on stage, that would be great. All right, come on down. So, um, all right, very good. Got a couple of people. Let's give it up for these. Thanks, Ben. <clears throat> I am so grateful uh, for these. We had a lot more people in, in first service, so most people don't go to two services. But I'll introduce you to the people who are here. Um, we've got um, my wife, um, so her name's Kim. Uh, we've got my mom, her name's Sheila. I uh, got my dad, his name's Bob, and we got Miss Maxine. Now, let me tell you about Miss Maxine, all right? Maxine, I, I, I have known you for years. I should say you have known me for years. Um, she uh, has been watching children uh, at First Baptist for how many years? Over 30 years. So she knew me when I was like in like fifth grade, sixth grade. I mean, the time when I was not a good person, right? And I can't tell you the number of babies this lady has loved on. And I'm so grateful for Maxine and Sheila and Bob and my wife. And you missed Bob and Laurie Key were here first service. Uh, Kevin and Christy Palmer were here first service. Susan Broyer was here. First. I am so grateful for this team, for the lasting difference they made. Because let me tell you guys, all right, since you guys are up here, it's a captive audience. I know you love being in front of people, Maxine. <laughs> Whatever. She doesn't. She's going to kill me about this later. Since we started One Church seven years ago, we've had 6,914 people come through our door. We've had over 1,100 people, 1,106 people have prayed and received Jesus Christ as their Savior. That, let me tell you, that's Book of Acts stuff. That's Bible stuff. That's neat stuff, all right? Uh, we have had hundreds of people get baptized. You saw some of those stories last week. So here's what I'm going to ask these guys to do. You have the, the paint pen, all right? I'm going to ask you guys to be able to just sign. Uh, if you would, Dave. No, it should be the other one. So can you go grab the other one in the green room? So what I'm going to ask you guys to do is I'm going to ask them to leave their mark on one of these because it's because of these and other people like them that we're able to do what we do today. So I just want to say one more time, can you give it up for them? So 
Thank you so much, Dave. And if you wouldn't mind just signing those, and then you guys can sit down, because I don't want you to upstage me, Mom. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the thing. You, you just said, I just said 6,914 people. Look around. Just look around here. Do you see 6,900 people? I don't. Right? Let me tell you, we, I used to say it this way, we lose 40% of our church every year, mainly because of military. Um, this is something God said to work on me. We don't lose them anymore. They, they're not went, they're sent. And let me tell you where in the world where one church people are at. Some are watching online right now, and once they get offline, they get the small group questions we provide, and they do church where they're at. Let me just kind of show you some stuff. Put up one of these maps if you would, all right? Let me tell you about some of them, all right? We got, uh, we got a, a couple of people who went for Germany. We got Ken and Katie Bulltice, all right? They're in Germany. Let me tell you about Ken and Katie. They've been gone for like four years. They still give to one church, right? Half of you guys, I can't get you to put a buck in the plate. They're in Germany. They've been gone for four years. They still give and tithe to this church. I'm so grateful for Ken and Katie. Let me tell you another one. Philip and Julie Singleton, they live in Germany, all right? Tell you, um, I mentioned these a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago. Greg and Michelle Clark, they PCS to South Korea. They recently come back now. We've got uh, Catherine Rowe. She's going to be a missionary to Africa, all right? Let me tell you, let's go back to the States, all right? We've got a lot of people moved to Hawaii, and that just makes me bitter, all right? I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? Uh, on our launch team, our original launch team, Andy and Cordy Wargo, they left here, went to Pittsburgh, went to Hawaii, and suffered for Jesus. And uh, another team, another one, the Bolins, Liz and Tom Bolin, they're in Hawaii right now, all right? Our first uh, family pastor, our children's worker, Ashley Whitecotton, uh, Robert was in the military here at Fort Campbell, got out, and then decided to go into the Navy, what is that about, right? So he gets out as an enlisted guy, becomes an officer in the Navy. That's the way to do it, right? And they got stationed over in, in, in Hawaii. It was just, it, it's just cool. Let me tell you some more. The Ayers and the Snows moved to Texas. The Harders moved to South Carolina along with the Alvarezes. The Thompsons moved to Oklahoma. Heidi Day and Michael moved to Fort Huachuca in Arizona along with the Stampers, the Baileys, the Odells, and the Stillwells. Clark Sneed used to be a part of one church. He, he's a chaplain here in the Army. He moved to Washington, D.C. with his family. All right? The Burtons moved to Illinois. The Jacksons moved to Fort Rucker, Alabama. The McLeans moved to Fort Bliss in El Paso. And let me tell you, it ain't bliss. All right, move, keep on going. The Venditis and the Kings moved to Florida. Chaplain Tom and Jerry Strong, they moved to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. The Gillespies live in Arkansas. TJ and Jen Men live in Massachusetts. The Theories live in New York, and the Plutos are in Monterey, California. And that's just some of the ones that I can remember. I can't tell you all of them. Let me tell you what's behind me. Right here are 700 names of people who've been baptized, people who have served. These are people who've said, you know what? I am going to be an owner at OneChurch.tv. Many of these people are gone. But let me tell you, my challenge for you today is I'm going to challenge you to become an owner. And every year during the month of September, we're going to add to this list. We're going to add new people. We're baptizing 21 people tonight who aren't on this list. Uh, some of you have started serving. Are you going to start serving? And your name is going to be put on this list. So I'm challenging you. Don't just sit. Leave a legacy. Here's how we're going to end today. I'm going to ask those people who are going to do that right now to go ahead and hand out these personal action plans. 
And I'm going to challenge each and every one of you that if you want to be an owner at one church, to fill this out and to put it on the stage. And when you do, if you come and fill this out, we're going to give you a gift. We're going to give you a key to one church. All right? Every time you look down at your keys, you can be reminded, I am an owner. I am part of something bigger than me. So here's, I'm going to just kind of walk you through this, the ownership. If you would please write legibly. Dear Lord, some of y'all need to be doctors. All right? All right, when did you come to faith? If you know that, put that on there. If you need to come to faith, you can mark that. Or if you want to be baptized, you can mark that. When are you going to spend time with God reading the Bible? You can mark that. Then step two, are you in the community group? Let us know which one you're in. If you're not, we can get you in a community group. Look at this. Step three, you remember how a couple weeks ago we talked about everybody has a story to tell? Remember that? And I challenge you guys to tell four people your story. Where I'm going to ask you here to write down those four names so that we could be praying for you, all right? So go ahead and do that. Step five, if you took the spiritual gifts tool a couple weeks ago, you can write down your spiritual gifts. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to step up and serve one place. We don't need you six. We need you one place. And then lastly, I'm going to financially support our church. And and that's where I want to go back as I come to as I close. You remember that? Those definitions of legacy, the first one was kind of the odd one, was to leave money and possessions to people. But let me tell you, even though I think that's kind of a weird one, it kind of makes sense. Because if you're going to leave a legacy, you're going to have to put your money where your mouth is. So I'm going to challenge some of you, you need to start giving. The Bible says 10%, but here's what, I know that. That's a lot of money. I, I get that. So don't just not do anything. Start with 2%. Start with 4%. And see what God does with you and with your finances and with your life. We've always done this at one church. If you start giving 10% and if you need the money back, we'll give it back to you. Because I believe God says in Malachi, test me. It's the only time in the Bible he says, test me. Test me by giving what I've asked and just watch what I'm going to do. Malachi 3.10. So, as we end, let me tell you, there's, we have seven years worth of names, seven years worth of changed lives, seven years of people doing amazing things, not because of them, but because God is amazing. And let me tell you, our next seven years, our next 70 years, God willing, we're going to see more people come to faith in Jesus. Let me tell you, one of the things that we've talked about, we talked about this at the beginning of the year, but our grand plan our two, five, ten-year plan, that in ten years, our goal is to start a one church at a Fort Bragg or a Fort Huachuca or a Fort wherever, wherever the majority of our people are leaving here. And when, when they go to South Carolina, there's already a, a one church there of people willing to love on them and love on their kids, love on their students. But in order for us to do that, across state lines, we're going to start a one church here in Clarksville within five years, uh, somewhere else. If we're here, somewhere else. And in order for that to happen, we're going to have to find a permanent location. I, I can be honest with you, we are this close, people, this close to having a permanent location. I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to give, and I'm asking you to pray because God is working. And, and as I close, I've got to get off the stage. But let me say this. I want you to know we have elders that are over me and over us, over our staff, 
they're the ones that hold us accountable financially, morally, doctrinally. I really hope that you see a pattern over the past seven years that we can be a church that you can trust. And if, if you can't trust us, I really would pray that you would text me. And if you have questions about anything, I'm willing to go there. We're an open book. All right, let's pray. God's band, go ahead and come on out here. Uh, I got a couple of questions. God bless you. All right. Um, address to the activities this evening. Address to the activities this evening, 331 Sequoia. All right. So that's the only question I got. So y'all give it up for the band.